Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Today we're going to pray for endurance through the assurance of the blessings of the resurrection to come for each and every one of us who believe because of the faith that has been granted us because of the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, afterward, they that or crisis at his coming. Now, my friend, I have to explain to you the principle of first fruit because I have something that will stir your faith and give you that steadfastness, that endurance that you've been so longing for. The Bible says he that endures till the end shall be saved. Paul said this is not a race for the swift, but this is a race of endurance. It's not those who run fast that win, but those who run till the end. In this amazing passage in 1 Corinthians, we're told that Christ was the first fruits of the resurrection. Because you see, the gospel message, it starts in Genesis and it ends in Revelation. And it begins with the reality that man fell out of relationship with God in the garden. Because that when he sinned and rebelled against the will of God, he fell under the curse of death. Therefore did sin bring death into the world. But God so loved the world that he wasn't willing to let us go. So he sent his only begotten son that whomever might believe in him in the words that he had to say and in what he had to demonstrate, they might be saved and not perish, but have everlasting life. And it is the promise of that everlasting life, that thing not seen yet hoped for, that will give us the endurance to live for eternity, that we might make the right decisions for a better forever and not make wrong decisions trying to build a better right now. Because that we are promised that there is coming a day when Jesus Christ shall return. He's going to come back and bust open that eastern sky. And all of those who believed in him, who walked in righteousness, obeying his will and his words out of love and faith in what he had to say and what he was offering. They're going to be raised up to meet him and they're going to rule and reign with him in a beautiful and peaceful kingdom where there are no more tears. We're all walking righteousness where things are finally right. You see, I have to explain to you the principle of first fruits. In ancient biblical times, God had given a commandment to the Israelites that whenever a harvest came in, the first bit of harvest that began to ripen, that was holy and set apart unto the Lord. You had to give that back to God. You couldn't keep it for yourself. This was an act of faith, you see, because when a person needed that barley harvest to feed his family and survive on for the whole year until the next barley harvest, giving up that first evidence, that first fruit, that first little handful of barley that you might think we need this to eat and survive, giving that up 
to the Lord saying, here, I give you everything that I have, God. This is yours. I'm giving it to you in faith that you were the one who gave it to me in the first place. And if I have the faith to release it back to you, then you're going to give it back to me in greater measure on the end. I may have to wait a little longer to see it, but I believe in you. I believe in your goodness. And this is a declaration of faith that I am going to wait for the big harvest. This is the principle that we still hold to today in the concept of tithing. That the first 10% of what we make, we give unto the Lord in faith that he will supply our needs in greater measure for the rest of it. But in this same likeness was Christ given unto us. Because you see, Jesus came as that first fruit, the first evidence of the harvest. He lived among us. He walked in righteousness led by the spirit of the living God. And he laid down his life. And on the third day, he rose again. He was resurrected. Because you see, one of the main purposes in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was to show us that God's word is true and that he's going to do what he promised to do. That there is a promise, a hope, a blessed assurance, a reason to press forward, a reason to obey, a reason to trust in every word that he has to say. Because... There's a resurrection coming. You see, believe it or not, the concept of the resurrection was understood from the very beginning. Many of the prophets of old talked about the day of the coming of the Lord. But it comes to a point where it's hard to have faith for that thing that's in the future, for that harvest that seems so far away. So was God willing to give us first fruits, the evidence that a harvest is coming. So I tell you, my friend, with all assurity that one of the main reasons that Christ died and was resurrected was to give us faith for the resurrection, that we need to live in alignment with God's word and trust in him that we might be found worthy to take part in the resurrection because it will assuredly come. Because if he was able to raise Christ from the dead, then he is able to raise us also. We are not without hope. Therefore has hell lost its victory and death lost its sting. It's not such a bad thing anymore because we know that our Christ is coming and we will be raised with him into newness of life made a new creature in Christ to rule with him you see that first fruit when it comes in it's proof that the harvest is on its way but we have to give it up in faith we've got to give that back to God therefore was Jesus though he had been resurrected given back to the father and just like those Israelites of old, after they had given up their first fruits back to God, did they have to wait in faith, believing that because God had given them the first fruit, would he bring a greater harvest in doing it again, bringing a multitude of fruit in? Death is not the end, my friend. It is only the end of the temporary and the beginning of eternity. He is coming back again. And if we can set our eyes on things eternal, it'll be easier to run for the prize. So much in this world is designed to make you focused on the here and the now, on what you can get out of the moment, on the attention, on the money, on the prestige, on the platform, on the property, on what you can build here and now. But my friend, it's all temporary. Jesus was not impressed by any of it because he said it's all going to burn in the end. I'm telling you, my friend, we've got to set our eyes on things eternal again. And it will drive a people of purity, of passion, of power, and of faith because when you're driven to make decisions based on the moment you will always make selfish decisions but when you're driven to make decisions based on eternity you will always make selfless 
decisions. You will make decisions that will benefit the next generation. When you regain your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the dead that will meet him, it takes away your fear of the here and the now. It takes away your fear of death that you can say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I will do it for the glory of your name. Because what you have now that you're trying to hold on to, it will all be counted ash in the end. But if you're willing to lay it all down now and live for Christ, when he raises you up again and brings you back in the end, he will give you more than you ever gave up now, my friend. I assure you of it. Have endurance through the assurance of the resurrection to come. One of the greatest examples of this, I think, is Job. We all know the story of Job and all the horror that he went through. It is a story synonymous with misfortune and hardship and heartache and heartbreak. But my friend, I want to give you a different perspective on Job. Job is actually one of the oldest books in the Bible as far as when it was penned. Of course, we know chronologically in the record, Genesis and so forth goes before it. But as far as when it was written, Job is thought to be the oldest or among the oldest. It was written by Moses when Moses wrote the accounts of Genesis and Exodus and so forth. We know that Job lived sometime between the time of creation and Moses because Moses penned the story. We don't know exactly where, but I'm giving you a time frame of how old this story is so that you can see the power from the very beginning and having faith in that blessed assurance and how it will bring you an unfailing endurance in the midst of any trial and hardship. It will give you that stability that you've been praying for. When you get a grasp on the reality of the resurrection, when you put your faith in it, it will set your walk in a whole new direction. My friend, let me tell you about Job. Job lost everything. All of his children were killed. His property was destroyed. His livestock was destroyed. His home was destroyed. He became sick and ill. His whole body racked with pain and blisters. His own wife turned against him. All of his friends came to accuse him and to curse him. This man sat there in a place of absolute desperation, the enemy unleashing everything that he could against him, trying to get him to curse God, to give up on God, and to turn away. And we see Job sit in faith. And in this life, he never got to see why he had to suffer. But because he suffered, he got to see God, and that was enough. But for us, it is a record in the power of faith and how an assurance of the resurrection can cause you to have endurance through all trial and tribulation. Because I tell you, my friend, that even though we don't think of him in this manner, Job was the first prophetic book ever written in the Bible. In Job 19, 23, we read, Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were penned in a book. He was prophesying and didn't even realize it. He continues to say that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day, the last day upon the earth. He's talking about God, that the Lord will stand on the earth in the last day. He is prophesying the return. 
And then Job says this astonishing thing. He says, and though after my skin, worms have destroyed this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He is saying that though I have been dead for many hundreds and thousands of years and worms have completely destroyed all of my body and there is nothing physically left of me, yet will I stand in my flesh before God. He is speaking of a resurrection. Whom I shall see for myself, he says. I will stand before God, who I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. He's saying, I'm going to see him. I'm not going to hear about it from somebody else. And I'm not even talking about being a spiritual being. But I am going to be raised again into newness of life. That old corruptible will put on incorruption. I will be given a glorified body. And I am going to stand before the Lord God Almighty. I am going to make it to the resurrection. And because I believe in the resurrection, I'm not going to do anything right now to endanger my place in it. So no matter what hell comes against me, no matter that my wife is telling me to just curse God and die, to give up on my faith, no matter that my friends are trying to tell me that God has hated me and abandoned me, I'm not going to dare say anything against my king. Because no matter what I lose in this life, no matter what suffering I have to endure, no None of it is worth giving up my place in eternity because I believe in the resurrection of my Lord and I'm going to stand before him and be found worthy. So I will endure. This is the message of Job. In Job 14 verse 11, he says, Oh, that thou wouldst hide me in the grave, that thou wouldst keep me secret until thy wrath be passed, that thou wouldst appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he not live again? All the days of my appointed time, I will wait till my change come. What change is he talking about? It's the change that's spoken of by the Spirit of the living God in the New Testament when it says, and they shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye, and the corruptible shall put on incorruption, and they will rise to meet him in the clouds. He is talking about the resurrection of the dead. He is saying, I may die, but I will wait until my appointed time when I am changed. He says, thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Job was not willing to compromise or curse God and die. He was not willing to sin, to walk out of his righteousness. Job was not a poem or a story. In the book of Ezekiel, God himself says that Job was a real man and a very righteous man. Job stayed in right standing with God at all costs because he wasn't living for right now, because it didn't matter that he lost all his material possessions. It didn't matter that everybody turned against him. It didn't matter that he had nothing left in this life to live for because he wasn't living for this life. He was enduring till the end for his Lord because he believed in the resurrection. And my friend, it can do the same for you if you will put your faith in it.